Saturday? Real time is shattered into a fever dream. My flashing thoughts run on and lose their train like baggage pushed from passenger windows. They tumble end over end, down a slope off the track, and nothing makes sense. I am at their mercy, searching for meaning in a story I don't understand, to explain why I am here and figure out how to survive. The apricot images spring from the part of my brain that is yet to bury the dead. Collapsed on the busy Persian rug, I wait for the ambulance, trailed by the chaos of a surprise attack. The apartment's rooms are ransacked. Vomit sprays in the bathroom, hand towels pulled to the floor, pills spilled in the sink, three layers of blankets strangled on our bed, tea bags bleeding their last into water gone cold on the stove. It's a brilliant February day, absurdly, Friday the 13th, a reprieve of midwinter sparkle that motivated me out of the house until this spear started goring my insides. Bright sun is smoking overhead through the living room's two dirty windows. The steam radiator behind the love seat hisses and heats like a sauna, but I'm freezing beyond reason. A fever spike soaked my fleece-lined jeans and a wool turtleneck. They're swamping me and stink like a shipwreck, and I let go of the digital thermometer when it hit 106 degrees Fahrenheit. It lies near the cordless phone I used for three 911 calls and a wail to my gastroenterologist, Dr. Abrams. It feels like a blockage, but worse, like something has ruptured. I know this because I've been sick with Crohn's disease for more than half of my 46 years. Crohn's is a gastrointestinal condition that exacts a nasty kind of food revenge and currently has me hemorrhaging on my living room floor. It's the Bernie Madoff of medical conditions. Outsider, unglamorous, crooked, devious, hounding, determined, destructive, unaccountable, its motives hidden, stealing from the body with the larceny of a petty thief. It eats its own, the way Madoff swallowed other rich Jews. The disease causes essential good bacteria to be mistakenly attacked by the body along with the bad, a blunder that destroys the gut's ability to properly absorb vitamins, minerals, and fat. Without those basics, good health is impossible. Diet may help, hurt, or even trigger the disease in people, but it's an inexact food science. The contradicting scientific views aren't limited to what I can't eat. They include what I can. Food, too, is not what it appears to be. Crohn's is a relatively new disease, first described in 1932 by the eponymous Dr. Burl Crohn. Anyone can be afflicted, but there's a higher rate of disease among people of Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry, like me. This misfortune is also evidence of a larger cosmic joke. Leave it to the Jews to make pot roast lethal. Eat, don't eat. Life and death in a single bite. It's a bizarre strain of steerage-class masochism that couldn't have been concocted by anyone with a flair for the exotic. Crohn's doesn't have the status or glamour of other serious diseases, like certain cancers, whose survivors inspire glossy magazine covers, celebrity appeals, and public rallies, or even Lyme disease, with its evocation of country houses and weekend retreats. At the core, Crohn's disease is a failure of bowel function, hardly the stuff of which Julia Roberts movies are made. This disease and all autoimmune diseases are treaty breakers. You hold up your end of the agreement. Eat right, swallow a fishbowl of pills and potions, shun what you crave, adhere to the regimen, change your life, and they attack you anyway.
or in language my grandma Jenny knew, Mensch tracht, Gott lacht. Man plans, God laughs. Resolving the opposing forces of eating and illness is my chronic burden. Uncertainty is my state. Generally, the condition is merely debilitating, but today it's trying harder to murder me. Ten years ago, devouring half a bag of green pistachios sent me to the hospital with a blockage at 3 a.m. This is different. Rotten timing for an emergency, too. I tried calling Susan, but she's in her windowless bunker, teaching reading to immigrant high schoolers, supporting the four of us by herself while I'm out of work. Finn and Teddy, ages six and nine, are closing out a normal day in their public school, not knowing. Mercifully, I reach my friend Jody. She'll pick up the boys when she gets her own kids. Whatever I have, I'm sure it'll pass, I reassured her, clenching my teeth to...